0: Hello, everyone. I am Steph Baldrini, and this podcast is for everyone who wants to learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you my daily journey in getting into real estate while being mentored by someone who has been doing retail real estate investing for the last twenty plus years, so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and get to success a lot faster. This podcast is also for people who are focused on retail investing, although the lessons we'll be learning here can be applied to all kinds of real estate investments. And my goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you're here to learn. With that, in episode one, we learn how to save searches for properties for sale in your area on loopnet.com. And you also created an account on biggerpockets.com in order to start reading some blog posts and meeting people that are in real estate in your area. In this episode, we'll be learning what is a cap rate and what you should be looking at when you receive a notification from LoopNet that a new property is available for sale in your area. So what is a cap rate? A cap rate is a variable rate that varies per property, that is determined when you are selling the property. You also, as a buyer, you'll be looking at various cap rates. And the very basic explanation is the net income on the property divided by the price of the property. For example, there is a property for sale at $400,000 and the cap rate is 8%. This means that your income on the property is $32,000 per year. There are other intricacies about cap rates when you are selling the property, but what you need to know is that cap rates can vary greatly. For example, it depends on the location of the property in California, you may find cap rates around 4%, 4.5%. In other states, you may find cap rates of 8%, 9 10 11%. Cap rates also vary based on where the property is located within a particular city. If it's in an incredible location, the cap rates are going to be lower. If the property is leased to a national tenant, for example, Starbucks or Burger King, the cap rate will still be lower because your rent is basically guaranteed and also you can easily sell this property. However, when you have a local tenant that they may go out of business, we just don't know the story there and the property is in not such a great location or is not very visible, then your cap rates are higher because the seller is basically incentivizing you to buy that property. Cap rates are also determined by the interest rates on loans. When interest rates are low, you get to buy more property, meaning you qualify for a higher mortgage. However, when interest rates are higher, you can afford less property because you're getting a smaller loan. You need to look at all these things when not only you're buying, but also when you're selling, because when you're selling, that's when you're going to determine what the cap rate is for the property and several things going to Play when you're pricing that property. Another important thing to know about cap rates is that they can vary by location. So, for example, here where I am in California, you can find cap rates as low as 2.5% in Santa Monica, which means that you're making 2.5% income based on the price of the property, all the way to 7% cap in some areas of Berkeley, for example. However, in Alabama, you can find cap rates as high as 10%, and that is because it is harder to sell properties in Alabama than in California, so the seller typically wants to make the rate pretty attractive to the buyer. And when you're looking into buying a property, you want the properties with the highest cap rates as possible, but there are situations where that's not really the case and we will explore cap rates in detail at another episode. If you're completely lost about what a cap rate is, fear not. It can be a bit complicated. What I want to do is in a future podcast, I'm going to be breaking it down into two separate areas What is a cap rate and how should you determine what a cap rate is when you're selling the property and what is the cap rate and what it means when you are buying the property. But the basis of it, if you haven't understood it yet, is when you're buying a property, the cap rate is the net income that you're making on that property divided by The price of the property. So, for example, if you're buying a property for one million dollars and your cap rate is 10%, your net operating income is one hundred thousand dollars. So, it is the money you're making every year on the property divided by the price of the property. Hopefully this makes it pretty clear to you on what a cap rate is. Now we're going to go and take a look at a property that is available for sale on LoopNet and what you should be looking at when you receive an email alert from LoopNet. Now let's open a property that is available for sale on LoopNet in your area so we can do this together. Right now I am looking at a property I found in the city of Redwood City and It's being sold at $825,000, which is, uh, quote-unquote, pretty affordable (laughs) here in the Bay Area. And as I scroll down below the pictures, I see that the property type is retail. The property subtype is storefront retail slash residential. Now, this sounds interesting. I'm not particularly interested in managing residential tenants living in my property. Let's find out more about the opportunity here. Under the description, it says, rare standalone building on Woodside Road, two-story mixed-use building can be easily divided to three-bedroom apartment upstairs and office slash retail on the ground floor. Okay, that sounds interesting. So This property has a retail component on the bottom floor and on the top floor, it could be a three bedroom unit that I could rent out. It sounds interesting to me because it's in a very good city and I could potentially get at least $3,000 for upstairs. And I'll have to do some research on what I could get on the, um, lease for the downstairs retail unit. Now still below the picture I'm looking at the gross leasable area and the gross leasable area for this property is 1566 square foot. Now I can do a very quick calculation of the price per square foot. So the property price is again $825,000 so that's 825000 divided by the square footage that I can lease out and that is $1,566, so the price I'm paying per square foot is $526. This is a good price considering we are in Silicon Valley. Just for you to have an idea, in the city of San Francisco, a typical price per square foot could be around $1,000. So we're a few miles south of San Francisco, and this is a, a pretty standard, price per square foot. Moving on, this building has two stories. It was built in 1940 and there is a parking ratio of 1.92 per 1,000 square foot. It shows me the APN slash parcel ID number of the property and it also gives me a walk score. And the walk score on this property is 79, which is very walkable. It means it's in a pretty decent neighborhood where people can walk down the street and is pretty safe. I keep scrolling down under highlights, there is not much here besides great visibility, and under sales notes it, ch- it tells me when they're having an open house. And again they're repeating the same thing that they wrote under the description, rare standalone building on Woodside Road. Now I know the square footage, now I know how much I'm paying per square foot. This means that the unit upstairs is probably 800 square feet and the unit downstairs is also probably 800 square feet. I have no idea how a three bedroom can fit on 800 square feet but we're gonna have to take a look at this property. On the right side of the pictures, a little bit below that, you will see the map. What you're gonna do is you're going to click on this map and then you're going to click street view and you're gonna drag up and down this street in order to see what the neighborhood looks like. So now I see a Wells Fargo near this property, I see a dry cleaner, I see a US bank, and the dry cleaner could be a red flag because there could be contamination on the ground off the property. And cleaning up contaminated properties is very expensive and the city will make you clean up the site. And if it's not clean, it could ding the value of the property later when you're trying to sell it. So now I'm taking mental notes to ask the real estate agent, how big is the unit upstairs? How big is the unit downstairs? How could it be that there is a potential three bedroom upstairs? And is this property contaminated or not. When I ask this question, I'm going to ask him if a phase one report has been done. And that is an environmental report that costs around $3,500 to $4,000 that you need to get done in order to see if the property has been contaminated or not. Sometimes sellers do that in advance, sometimes you are going to have to pay that out of pocket when you're doing the due diligence after your offer is accepted. Now you have a very basic understanding of what you should be looking for when you get those LoopNet alerts in your inbox. Tomorrow we'll be going over the questions you will be asking the real estate broker that is selling the property in order for you to understand if it's a property you should pursue or not. All of the details of what we went over today are under the description link. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. This is a labor of a lot of love. And if you find value on this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a review so it can start to show up when people search for commercial real estate podcasts. Thank you.